Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, a podcast where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelanek. This week, hoppy weather. Before I get there, though, touch base on a little follow-up from last week about the Suez Canal. They got that ship free, right? A little slower than some people thought, a little faster than a lot of people thought. Nonetheless, it's not blocking things. I guess they're holding it up in the Suez Canal pending investigation. A lot of people to blame, a lot of lawsuits already. Again, I don't know how you're going to figure out all that stuff. I mean, there's billions of dollars at stake here. And of course, it's causing all sorts of additional problems now that ports are being overwhelmed all of a sudden with a sudden influx of ships versus a more regular pace. And I'm sure weather's influencing that to some degree. But I think the big thing is now they're questioning how much weather had to do with things and who's really to blame. I'll be curious what it looks like. I still think weather played a role based on what I saw, but it may have been the easy scapegoat. We'll find out. I saw another article this week that was kind of interesting about medio tsunamis. You ever heard of these things? I hadn't heard the word before. I mean, it implies that Instead of being a tsunami, you know, a big tidal wave based on seismic activity, which is what a lot of people are are used to when they hear about them, it's derived from weather events. Logical that it could happen. Usually winds involved, right? You can imagine strong winds kicking up a wave that kind of gains momentum if the winds are at the right frequency. You know, so many things when we think about flow is in a wave format, right? That can be waves in the ocean, but it can also be waves in the air. And interestingly, the case they brought up was one in which it doesn't appear that winds in and of themselves, but atmospheric gravity waves. Now, there's such a thing as gravity wave clouds. You may have heard me mention them before. It's also one of those conspiracy theory topics, so I don't talk about it a lot. But in any case, in the atmosphere all the time, there's gravity waves that can go on that, you know, you get these things occurring that you don't necessarily see. Those those clouds are an example of being able to visualize them. But this case was one where gravity waves in the atmosphere, you know, got in harmonics, let's say, in the Great Lakes here in the U.S. And that kicked up an event that caused a, a you know lake-sized tsunami. I don't I didn't see exactly how big it was, but there's a little link in the show notes. I actually did find the article and I put a link into the journal article because unlike some of them, it is approachable. But as always, you know, start with the abstract, get to the, either the discussion or conclusion. It's at the end. You could also probably do a search on Google and find a report on it if you would like as well. All right. Let's get to the main topic, hoppy weather. Now, you may be thinking, right, since this thing's hitting your feed on Easter weekend, that somehow this has to do with Easter, somehow it has to do with Easter bunnies, but no, it does not. It actually has to do with bees, and bees in New Mexico, and now you're thinking to yourself, hoppy. What does that have to do with bees in New Mexico? Well, let me tell you. A lot of times when I'm, you know, reading stuff during the week, I get things in, because of different articles I might pick up, I get things in my feed that are a bit more, I don't know, out of the ordinary. 
particularly when it involves nature or something like that. And I read a headline that I thought it said, man goes in the, gro-, this was in New Mexico, man goes in the grocery store and comes out and there's 15,000 beers in his car. That's what I thought the headline said. And I'm thinking to myself, how does that logistically happen? I've, I've got to see this. And the other reason I thought about it is I have a friend over the Ritual Misery podcast, Kent, one of the two hosts there, who was a big beer fanatic. And I thought, well, maybe this had something to do with Kent. Now, I knew it probably really didn't, but my instinct made me at least go check out the article. And what I came to find out is it was 15,000 bees, kill the R on the, on the word and you get to it. But apparently a random swarm of bees took up in this guy's car while he was inside and they had to call in people to pull it out. I've got a news story about, I guess, when they were pulling it out, there is video of it. And there's pictures of it when it happened. I, just wild sort of thing. So it got me to thinking, because I was already on beers. And because, you know, I know Kent listens to the show, at least from time to time. I don't know if he's actively listening these days. But I thought of, started thinking to myself, okay, you know, I looked at different things, different influences in, you know, food and produce and that kind of stuff. But what about beer? Because there's got to be some decent weather connections. And there were some other things that have happened, I guess, article-wise or conversations I've had in the past year that seemed relevant. Okay, Certainly, I've heard lots of reports during COVID-19 that alcohol consumption is up. Now, part of that, I think, is based on in-home consumption, because I also have read articles that say, you know, because restaurants and bars were hurt significantly by the pandemic that maybe overall sales are down, but a lot of people, you know, I'd see pictures on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever it is, people trying things that maybe they haven't tried before. So it's at least seemed to drive curiosity for folks that maybe don't often think about buying a beer. Maybe someone, you know, if they go to a bar or restaurant and they don't want to have to think about what to pick, you know, they're not picking their norm or they want to try something different, they count on somebody to recommend something. When people were trying things out, and a lot of times when you buy stuff at the bar, you don't get the bottle or you know see a neat logo or stuff. And sometimes that even that's kind of what draws people to a beer. And I'd also been in a winery in the last couple of months just to pick up a couple of bottles of wine. And and again, it was different. They were doing tastings there, but you know you had to make reservations. I really wasn't there for that part. And I was asking them the same sort of thing: How had the pandemic influenced their business specifically? And, and more or less what they told me was that their overall business was pretty good because even before the pandemic, they were situated to distribute differently. And then on top of that, they were getting more people locally. And I think this was true of the pandemic in general, right? People wanted to help local businesses probably more than ever. And so they were kind of getting an increase in business that they hadn't anticipated from not so much the tourism, which had dropped off, but from people specifically just saying, hey, send me some, you know, send a box of wine or send some to family or what, whatever it might be. So all this stuff has just kind of had the whole idea of adult beverages, if you will, on my mind. And that combination thing said, okay, what about weather? What, what's the weather thing? What's, how's the weather come into play? So let's step back for a moment and go, okay, what really goes into beer? Well, there's water. I mean, that's probably the main ingredient. But there's some very fundamental things. Yeast, for one, right? Then you've got some sort of grain, and that can vary. You know, you hear about wheat beers, but barley is a common grain used in beers. 
But the last thing, and the thing that's probably most, while yeast can change the flavor structure, hops is really what drives a lot of the flavor in beers. You know, what does your beer taste like? Not necessarily what it looks like, but what does it taste like? Very often has to do with the hops in the beer. Now, there are certainly variations of that because you, know, you hear more about fruits and different things being put in your beer. But if you look at just you know beers that don't have those added elements necessarily, hops drive the vast majority of flavors. So where's the role in weather and all that? Well, let me get back to that wine example. You've probably heard mentioned before, and this is something I've seen, of something called microclimates. And a microclimate is really, you can go to a certain area, and even with an area that's conducive, let's say, to growing grapes with wine, and this was something I found in Chile, that they would pick different altitudes within the hills because those different altitudes might get slightly more or less moisture during the course of the year on average. Slightly different wind profile and all those things influenced what the grape, even of the same variety, would taste like at the end of the season and those would influence the flavor of the wines. So you think about wine, you know, the main thing going into is grapes, right? Well, let's think about now, let's translate that in hops. Now, 10 years ago in the U.S., most hops were produced in the Pacific Northwest. And the vast majority were produced in Washington State, so right up near the Canadian border. Although Idaho and Oregon bordering Washington also had a, a reasonable amount of production. And fundamentally, hops are something that like many plants and, and you know we don't think about this often but take any sort of crop you might think of a tomato think about how many varieties of tomatoes there are and how they taste a little different may still have that same core flavor but this is true with again other things whether it's a grape with wine but even things like corn or onions like vidalia onions which is more sweet it's georgia originally from you know where i grew up versus a standard white onion you know red onion and all those things taste a little differently right so different regions are well situated to grow different types of hops, but there are even within the main growing region 10 years ago, a variety of hops that you could choose from and each have sort of a different flavor to them, both in the structure of the plant itself, but also the oils that are present on them. And that can vary differently from one plant to the next. Okay. But, but what we've seen in the last 10 years is all these microbreweries popping up and all these craft beers coming out. And that has put more demand to grow hops in other places that they weren't traditionally grown. And so the U.S. went from a major producer of hops to the major producer of hops globally. Doesn't mean that they're the only one, but you can imagine. So we went from things being grown in a specific region, the vast majority, and that was probably true around the globe. Countries that grew hops probably had a zone that was particularly useful for it. And those hops could all come around and hop into your beer, right? But with all this demand of different areas, and I think also people wanting to change up the flavor of their beers and using different structures to do that, whether it's an added ingredient like a fruit to a beer or something like that, 
or changing the hop structure, both the intensity of, of different varieties, so how much they're doing, but also the varieties themselves. Now, what's that got to do with weather? Well, it has a lot to do with weather. One of the reasons hops are grown in the Pacific Northwest is they're a very, very water-intensive plant. So if you're not going to grow them in a region that gets a lot of rain, you've got to figure out a way to get them water. And that's why even though production is picked up in other places, as an example, across the U.S., it still is microscopic in terms of the quantity compared to what is grown in those regions. And I read an article, and there's a link in the show notes, about how you know all these little microbreweries are they, they want to, again, maybe buy local. So someone may plant 20 acres of hops. Well, that dwarfs in comparison to tens of thousands in the Pacific Northwest or even over 100,000. But what variety might grow? Maybe one that needs a little less water or maybe one that's more temperature resistant. Right? If you're growing in a warmer area, all has the ability to influence the beers that those people can produce locally if they're going to look for that local hop. All right. So because it needs lots of water and it is somewhat temperature sensitive, it prefers a little cooler profile for the, what I would call the mainstream varieties. Anytime you have a drought and I put a link in the show notes about a, a drought that was talked about specifically by NOAA in the U.S. So a government write-up on how a drought in the Pacific Northwest one year, you know, probably seven, eight years ago, had a big impact on beer because it meant lower harvest and that supply issue becomes real, right? But like I said, so that might be a bad thing, but on the flip side, you've got the good thing where you've got all this other places growing it, which might add variety and different types of hops that are available, so it's, it's a little bit of a trade-off, but generally speaking, that's probably the biggest area in the raw ingredient phase that weather plays in what your beer is like, right? Now, it's not where what I'm going to call weather measurements or weather components end. Because another one is temperature, and this continues to influence beer even after it's bottled or canned. Okay, The reason that happens is pretty simple. And you've probably heard this before about how beer gets old or it tastes stale, and it can happen with other canned things. The goal when you're making beer is to get as much oxygen out of the container as possible. And you can't get it all out. It's just impossible. And the longer oxygen is held at a higher temperature, the more it changes chemically and can influence the taste of whatever it is. So even if you have room temperature beer, nothing never got real hot versus stuff that's always chilled. The chilled stuff is going to last longer because it's heat applied to that oxygen and again, slower when it's cold, accelerated when it gets hot, that's going to change the flavor of the beer structure. All right. So we've got it in the production. We've got it in the shelf life, if you will. But we also have it in 
the way we decide to choose what we're going to drink. And this doesn't surprise me either because we've seen it in other things. I've Way back in the day, I'd even did about seasonality of certain foods and how we're driven it. And we have to, you know, I've touched on that topic before. But the weather behavior, as you can imagine, on a really hot day, you may be more inclined to have a light American-style beer, right? Which is really cold, maybe ice cold cool you off, but it's also not too heavy. It doesn't weigh you down, doesn't give you that sort of dense feel versus in the wintertime. You may want something that's more British style right, or UK style that where you get maybe something that's a little warmer in terms of how it's served, but with a heavier flavor because we like that kind of feeling more sated with our food. Okay. And beer can contribute to that. So on one hand, those same things that trigger us on food yeah logical right it triggers us on what we consume as well in terms of beverages but it also has to do with those add-ins that i was talking about even and, and i'll give you a classic example because everybody knows this from coffee right pumpkin spice lattes big thing every fall right we got this season the pumpkin spice season but adding pumpkin to beer which is actually one that i tried a sam adams pumpkin beer this year that i really liked hadn't had it before it's good and it was available in the fall. And it gets back to that. It's the season for us liking those pumpkin flavors because that's when that food is generally available. And so culturally, it's not just the weather itself, but the culture around a season can dictate what's going to be put into a beer for different times of the year. Now, I may be one that likes the pumpkin flavor at other times of the year, but whether I'm going to drink it or not, is really not what's key. What's key is, is that a sort of flavor that people drink year round? And if not, that's why you end up with these seasonal varieties. For some of us, we may have a flavor that we like to drink year round, but if it's not in demand in the summertime, they're not going to focus on it. There's just, there's no real benefit for it. Plus you get that added little kick that people wait for and anticipate things. So, we end up with this situation where weather dictates what we get in our product. And, I mean, and even think about that. If you've got a drought in a region that's heavy production, that might even change a beer you're familiar with because maybe they have to go to a hop variety they're not used to. They look for something close, maybe. But it may mean that even your simple ABC beer that you drink on a regular basis taste different if they had to go to a, a different variety of hop. I don't know. Something to think about, right? All the way through to when you wait too long, don't wait too long, drink beer close to when it's brewed. Eh, most people would tell you that's a good, good rule of thumb with most things that we do. The closer to when it's made, the better it's probably going to be. To how we like different things throughout the year. So no matter how you slice it, Beer and weather, they're intertwined throughout the year, constantly. I don't know. It's kind of a cool thing in my mind. And yes, this plays, like I said, into wine and, and other things as well. I didn't look at it from different spirits. I'm sure some of them are more influenced than others because some of them use, you know, they're based on different core products in the end, whether it's a corn or a potato or whatever else. And I'm guessing different varieties probably depends on the distilling process and how much of that base thing is taken out versus the 
chemical reaction, you know, the actual underlying alcohol that's in something. But all those things, I think, influence what we have. And that wine I was telling you about, they, I went there because they had these wines that had a fruit added to them, right? That was kind of one of their things. And I enjoyed that. It, it, it wasn't just like, it's like now when you buy grape juice, even in the store, a lot of times you see these varieties. And the wines were good because they had these hints, more than a hint in some cases, of these other fruits. But you could still, it still felt like you were drinking a wine. I don't know, kind of neat. Any case, there you have it. Beer and weather. Who'd have thunk it? Right? But just like everything else, there's that connection. All right, before I let you go, I just want to take a moment and say thank you. 150 episodes with this one. Now, when I started back with the podcast about a year ago, wasn't really sure how it was going to play out. But the support has been great. You guys continue to listen. You continue to give me feedback. Participate in what's going on. And where's it going to go for the next 50? I don't know. I finally feel, you know, it, t- it takes a while with this stuff. Once you put something down to get back into what I would call a groove. The struggle is always with many things in life. You know, it's finding the right amount of time to be able to do the things you like to do. I'd still love to find a way to bring more content and different content, maybe live content and more video-based content instead of just audio. But we'll see where that goes in the year ahead. Or the years ahead, I should say. For now... Thank you to all of you who have stuck through and to the new people who have come on board. You know, the first hundred was great. I really enjoyed doing it. There were some obvious reasons I had to take a pause. Came out of that. Got another year under the belt. So here we are at 150. And again, thanks to you all. Because whether it's beer and weather we're talking about or whether in one of the many other varieties of things in our lives, we've all learned, and me more every day with this stuff when I do it, There's much more to weather than the weather itself.